This episode is brought to you by Odd Mo's Pizza in Canby. Handmade awesome pizza plus craft beer, wine, and cider delivered. Order today at 503-263-8444 or visit them online at oddmoes.com. This episode is also brought to you by Canby Foursquare Church. Since 1978, a place to grow, connect, and serve. Sunday services on campus and online at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Learn more at canbyfoursquare.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Canby, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. (laughs) I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. (laughs) With an old maid daughter that makes the best moonshine in the coast. (laughs) If it would have hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? Welcome to Now Hear This Gamby Podcast. I'm Tyler Clausen, and this is what's happening this week in our community. An Oregon City man was arrested this week after he allegedly contacted an undercover detective posing as an underage girl online. Ryan Andrew Chapman, 37 years old, was arrested by Clackamas County Sheriff's Office deputies Thursday afternoon and faces charges of luring a minor and first-degree online sexual corruption of a child. Police say Chapman responded to an undercover officer's online post in which the detective was posing as a 15-year-old girl. The purpose of the detective's undercover post was to identify adults engaging in sexually explicit conversations with minors who then take substantial steps to meet those minors in person for the purpose of sexual contact. Following the online conversation, Chapman allegedly arrived at an agreed-upon meeting location in the Clackamas area, police said where he was taken into custody by Clackamas County detectives and deputies, along with Milwaukee police officers and detectives. Chapman was taken to Clackamas County Jail, where he is being held without bail. In other local crime news, an Oregon City man was arrested and police took possession of a collection of controlled substances, including fentanyl pills and methamphetamine, after executing a search warrant at an apartment complex this week. David Tornbald, 53 years old, was detained following a drug search warrant at his apartment in Oregon City Terrace on May Street at approximately 8.15 p.m. Wednesday. Officers also seized an unspecific quantity of drugs and body armor. Tornbald was lodged at Clackamas Jail on charges of felon in possession of body armor, second-degree distribution of controlled substances, two, second-degree trademark counterfeiting, and possession of a controlled substance. Tornbald was charged in May of 2005 with attempted burglary and assault charges, including assaulting a public safety officer, 
ultimately pleading guilty to lesser felony charges, according to online court records. He was also convicted of felony charges in an unrelated 1997 burglary and assault case. Justice never sleeps, but sometimes it waddles. Case in point, a sheriff's deputy helped save a duck with an injured foot in urban northwest Clackamas County this week. According to a July 31st Facebook post by the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office, a woman and her two daughters called about an injured duck in the Boardman Wetlands Nature Park off Southeast Addy Street in the Jennings Lodge area. The caller had also called the Dove Lewis Emergency and Specialty Veterinary Animal Hospital, and they told her to bring the duck in if she could catch it, officials said. That's where Deputy Ashley Walker came in for what had to be the strangest caller of her law enforcement career. It was a slow evening on Highway 99E, so I went to help out, Walker explained. The duck had visible injuries to its foot and wing, and Walker suspected foul play. Okay, Frankie, come on. Sure enough, the injured duck was found with other ducks. After catching the wounded water bird, Walker transported it to the veterinary hospital for treatment in a pet carrier provided by the caller and her parents. Walker has a history of taking quick action with lives that are on the line, regardless of whether they have webbed feet. Four years ago, she was recognized with an award from the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office for improvising a series of field tourniquets that saved the life of an intoxicated man who had seriously cut himself and was at risk of bleeding out. Developed in partnership by North Clackamas Parks and Recreation District and Oak Lodge Water Services, the Boardman Wetlands Nature Park is a relatively new nature park and restored wetlands area located about 10 miles southeast of Portland. Part of the larger Boardman Rainierson Watershed Complex, the reclaimed 5.8-acre park provides a habitat for a wide variety of native plants as well as ducks, geese, beaver, and many other aquatic wildlife species. More than two dozen local business owners and community members gathered at Biscuits Cafe this week to celebrate the recently completed renovations at the longtime staple in Canby breakfast and lunch dining scene. Owners David and Dana Legedic, manager Dustin Flores, and staff hosted the Canby Area Chamber for breakfast and a ribbon-cutting ceremony Thursday morning as part of the organization's Good Morning Canby event series. Dana Legedic started in the food service industry as a part-time server, joining the team at Biscuits and Gresham in 2010. 
While there, she helped build the business and double the cafe's sales, eventually being promoted to store manager and later district manager overseeing several locations of the regional chain. David Legedic began his entrepreneurial endeavors at around the age of eight. Home drying walnuts, filberts, pears, and plums from his family's trees, and going door to door selling two pound bags of foodstuffs to friends and neighbors. Eventually, he diversified his delivery service by offering to haul away old newspapers and cans, which added to his bottom line. At 18, David opened his first collectible store and later on moved on to a leadership role with Safeway, Best Buy, and even Pacific Dental Services. When health conditions created new challenges for David, his wife's wish to Biscuits Cafe owners and founders, Ed and Barbara Preston, that she and David could work together came true. They were offered a chance to buy into the franchise and they began their new adventure. Through the challenges of the pandemic-related shutdowns of 2020 and 2021, the couple managed to stay in business and even purchased additional restaurants. The couple is particularly proud of the Canby store and the presence it has in the community, including leading fundraisers like a recent partnership with Canby Christian Church that helped fund a mission trip to Mexico. They are all awesome, and we feel comfortable inviting the community back in as we pride ourselves on where we are today with our three benchmarks, time, service, quality, David said. Cougar Country Hometown Sports Coverage is brought to you by Rife and Hunsaker PC. When you need an attorney, turn to the firm Cambius Trusted for over 50 years. Call them today at 503-266-3456. For the latest sports news, follow us on Twitter at Cougar Country or and Instagram at Cougar Country Pod. Four local sluggers and recent Canby High School grads are headed to the Northwest Regional Championship this week after helping capture the Oregon American Legion state title as part of the prestigious Portland Barbers AAA baseball team. The Barbers defeated the favored Emerald Challengers from Eugene in the final state championship game Wednesday, July 26th, by a score of 10-6. Founded by and named in honor of Don and Allison Lovell, owner of the Barber's Barber Shop chain, the Barbers have been one of the state's top AAA baseball squads since being established in 2010, but this marks the program's first state title. Their 2023 roster includes the former Cougars pitcher Jason Knopfsinger of Class 2022, Twins Hunter and Logan Robinson, who play outfield and shortstop, and catcher Owen Tilden, all of whom graduated earlier this year. The challengers had swept their way through the tournament en route to Oregon Legion Finals, outscoring opponents 33-17, including 13-5 triumph in the semifinals. To win the title, the challengers would have to defeat the Barbers once. But the Barbers flipped the script in their first tilt earlier Wednesday. Trading leads throughout the first six innings before shocking a packed Sweetie Johnson Stadium in North Eugene with a two-run home run by Cameron Masters Doble 
a 2023 Lake Ridge grad in the seventh to seal the 7-6 win. In the finale, the Barbers jumped out to an insurmountable lead on the strength of a four-run third inning led by Mountainside grads Eric Altmark, four for seven, and Ian Salbita, three-run double, ultimately clipping Emerald by a score of 10-6. to six. It was the first time this summer that the Challengers had lost back-to-back -back games. The outcome may have stunned the Challengers and their home crowd fans, but it did not surprise Knopfsinger. We knew that they were a good team, but we also knew that when we had lost to them previously, we had beaten ourselves, he told The Current. As for the 1-0 series hole in which they found themselves to start the series, the Barbers were prepared. We had everything lined up from day one in case this situation arises. So come championship day, we had all our best arms and bats lined up and ready to go, he said. Everyone knew we were there to send them packing. Knopf Singer said he is particularly thrilled to be sharing the experience with three other Canby natives. All four have played together for years, growing up through the ranks of club ball and at Canby High School. The twins played a huge role in our success, he said. They really stepped up and got the job done when we needed. Owen struggled a little at the plate, but he has never been better defensively. That played a huge part in beating Eugene, especially limiting their run game, which is how they win most of their games. Knopfsinger was limited to the state tourney with his arm injury, but said that he has been cleared to throw shortened outings as needed when the team represents Oregon at the Northwest Regional Tournament this week in Gillette, Wyoming. If the team makes it to the World Series, which will be held in Shelby, North Carolina the following week, Knopfsinger will be ready. Everyone is super excited and itching to get out there and play again on a bigger stage than we are used to, he said. In other sports news, two young swimmers from the Canby Gators Club team are hoping to make a splash on one of their sport's biggest stages this week after qualifying for the prestigious 2023 Western Age Group Zone Championships. Quincy Taliaferro of age 14, along with her longtime friend Sam Guktosh, age 13, will be representing Oregon Western Zone Team against the best swimmers from 12 other states across four grueling days competition. Quincy made the cut with her blistering time in the 800 meter freestyle, which won her first place at the 2023 Oregon Swimming Inc. Long Course Championships in July. She also nabbed fourth in her 200 meter individual medley and fifth in the 100 meter butterfly. Sam earned a second place in the 400 meter freestyle with his Time of 4 minutes 37 seconds behind Corvallis' Ty Gunther. He also placed third in the 100 meter backstroke, third in the 200 meter freestyle, and third in the 200 meter backstroke, and fifth in the 400 meter individual medley. Quincy and Sam are very excited, said Lisa Talia Farrow, Quincy's mom and board secretary for the Gators. They have been swimming together since they were six and seven years old and are truly the best of friends. The two will be among the fewer than 60 Oregon swimmers between the ages of 11 and 14 who are qualified for the Western Zones meet. Their achievement is believed to be the first in at least a decade for the swim team. This is a huge accomplishment being picked to represent the state of Oregon and being a part of the all-star team, Talia Farrow said. 
It's a big feat to make the qualifying teams because they are very fast. They're two steps up from the state qualifying requirements, so they're in the equivalent of AAA times. The pair of water bugs will be among the first to compete in the sparkling new Greater Aquatic Swim Center in Boise, Idaho, when the championships kick off Wednesday, August 2nd. Hey, Tyler, what you doing? My dang Wi-Fi keeps going out, and uh, I'm just trying to move this router somewhere else, get a better signal. It's been years since I set this thing up, and now I forgot how to do it. Oh, years, huh? How many years are we talking? I don't know, like seven or eight, maybe? Well, no wonder your Wi-Fi stinks. You've got a router that's older than my fourth grader. Should I find a bunch of stuff at the back of your entertainment center? But this is state-of-the-art router systems, bro. It might have been when you bought it, but Wi-Fi technology has progressed a lot since then. Think about it, would you expect an eight-year-old smartphone to be able to do the things that a modern one can? I don't know, my iPhone 4 seems to do okay. So are you saying to go out and buy a new system? That's gonna cost me a fortune. Not necessarily. You have Direct Link, right? Didn't you hear that they're upgrading their network? All members on Fiber can get a brand new router installed by their techs for free. What? Seriously? Are you sure that's not some sort of scam? Nope. It's just their commitment to their members as a local cooperative. Everyone that hasn't already been upgraded this year gets a new Wi-Fi router and access to the new network management mobile app called Omni IQ. You can use it to customize your network settings, use the parental controls to set time limits and content restrictions for kids, create a separate network for guests, and more. <laughs> I better get going on that then. So uh, how do I get started with the process? Just call the member services team at 503-266-8111 and tell them you'd like to upgrade to Omni. They'll get you scheduled for an appointment and one of their expert technicians will come out to install the new router at no cost to you. Okay, I have 266-8111. Uh, hey, uh, hello, directly? I'm, I'm ready to upgrade to Omni. All right, now. <laughs> wow, that iPhone 4 does work. Okay, so on the Cami Conversation today, we are back out, haven't been here for a few years, a few years, to Mount Hope Farms in Malala with owners and farmers Mike and Laura Ellis. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Doing good. Good. Yeah, yeah and nothing's really happened the past few years, so we were just <laughs> talking. It's been <laughs> pretty quiet. <laughs> um, we'll tell folks a little bit about you and your farm and um, all the different things you do. You've been diversifying like crazy since we last yeah. talked. Yeah. Yeah, so we were walking around showing Tyler everything, but we are fifth generation Oregon farmers, yep. and we're third generation on the land. So yeah. this is Mike's grandpa's farm. Yeah, he bought it back in '62, and before that, he was farming in the area and kind of bouncing from one to the next. Yeah, and yeah, and, and like you're telling me, like farmers of that day very one crop one yep. uh, we do one thing yep. and we do it as well as we can and at yeah. that time it was he liked grain and he liked clover and that's what they did and <laughs> yeah. that's all that they did yeah and, and they did a great job and that's oh, yeah. all they needed to do yeah yeah, yeah. And that works until it doesn't right and, <laughs> yeah and yeah. now we you know we were walking around looking we do a diversity of crops so this year we're doing wheat yep 
And first time doing that and probably getting, well, we did a little bit of it about 10 years ago. And before that, it was 70s or 80s when mm. dad and grandpa were doing wheat very yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. And then cover crop seeds. Yep. And um, then Mike and I are, uh, we grow table grapes and mm -hmm. we sell those to local grocery stores. And um, we just started growing sunflowers. Yeah. Um, this is our first year on that. And so a learning experience and small little test plot of a few acres of it. Yeah. Let's see how that goes. And it looks um, nice. Yeah. It's like really pretty. <laughs> it looks and really pretty. Yeah. It makes you happy fun. just to walk through there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And um, then we still do all of our fruit spreads. Yeah. And we used to grow all of the fruits and berries that went into those. And now we source from neighbors and people that we mm. know for a majority of it. But we still cool. grow like the aronia berries. Yeah. Um, Hascat berries. Some of the apples. Um, well, and it's a great way of being able to support neighboring farmers right. too. Yeah. You know, and it's an all-season type business. Yeah. So like, you know, we, we can get everything at harvest and we can keep selling it throughout the year, keep making it throughout mm -hmm. the year yeah. and make that work. So it's very, um, we're very diversified and this has made it so we're able to tell our story and reach mm -hmm. out to people and get to know people. It's all kind of part of a big system. Yeah. And together. we just got some news on a couple of, uh, awards here just the, a couple of days ago. We did. We won a couple of stars at the great, Taste Awards yeah. that's judged over in the UK. Awesome. For Aronia Haskat. Which I think you've won before. Yes. Yeah. We've, we've won a star there before, and then we won um, earlier this year our 11th. I'm looking at Mike because I get my numbers mixed up. <laughs> 11th Good Food Award. Yeah. Awesome. So it's been going really well. Yeah. We're, so some national and yeah. international awards on the fruit spreads. Yeah, yeah, it's been super exciting. That's always been, even when I was out here before, probably 2019, um, but always been one of the staples of your guys' spreads, right, is the, the sort of unique fruits that you grow. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's all, you know, either grown by you or our neighbors, you know, yeah. grown locally, but... Um, you really uh, look for those kind of unique flavor profiles, mm -hmm. and it's not—it's uh, a lot of times not something that anyone's ever heard of before, let alone tasted. Yeah, it. it's, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely less common, and we try to do different combinations like the strawberry lavender, aroni hascap, um, you know, heritage apple, things like that. Mm -hmm. Things that go with—it's—it's uh, it's more of a higher end product, and so yeah. we kind of try to pair it with cheese, and yeah. that seemed to be very helpful. We work with you know, TMK mm -hmm. on occasion, and they're wonderful, Yeah, and we do a lot of cheese events, and like in Market of Choice, we're at the cheese counter, and so that's that's worked super well. And a lot but it's of the... still approachable for a PB&J right. or pancakes yeah. or right. toast or... Yeah, and things like that, Yeah, too. yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of the fruits have... Um, as a bit of a heritage and a history uh, mm -hmm. of their own. Uh, a lot of times local uh, here to Oregon and, and yeah. going back to the yeah. pioneer days and things, right? Yeah, yeah. well, and, and like we do a few Marionberry products. And yeah. those, we don't grow a lot of Marionberries here. When we first started, we grew all of them, but we were doing such small batches and yeah. I would just go to farmer's markets and yeah. sell them there. Yeah. But we source them from neighbors now, and those are very Oregon. You know, they were developed at Oregon State. Right. Yeah. It's a cross, I hope I get this right, between an Alali berry or a Lala berry and then a Shehalem blackberry. Yeah. So it's like I a, you know, right. yeah, I think that's right. Like a custom cross. And so people always like search for that. And that's yeah. like, those are always our top seller. And then we just did a 
pre-sale of the Aronia Hascap because mm-hmm. I couldn't make it earlier in the spring because yeah. of the arm injury. Yeah. And <laughs> couldn't cap the jars and stuff. So we started doing our pre-sale on that, and that's like our most popular product. Mm-hmm. Remind me, the Aronia is something sort of akin to a blueberry or... It looks a lot like a blueberry, yeah. but it's got a much more mealy texture and it has a bit of an astringent flavor to it, but it brings out flavors in other berries yeah. like none other, and it is extremely high in antioxidants, mm. native to the East Coast and Midwest, and it actually uh, was developed further over in Europe and then exported back in here yeah. to the country that it originated from. And the Hascaps are another one that is super high in antioxidants, mm. and that's because of the unique property of it has two berries wrapped inside of one berry. Yeah. There's a layer of skin around each individual yeah. berry and then a layer of skin going around the two of them. Interesting. And so it gives it way more of a concentration of the pigments and that's where you get your antioxidants. Yeah. In. And that berry is native to Japan. And so we've got some stuff that's just unique and less uh, common. Yeah. But both of them have extremely high levels of antioxidants and yeah, yeah, and the Hascap is one where, you know, we have to go out and, like, hand-pick every berry. We don't yeah. have, like, a machine, and so it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And then the Aronia berries are over on Mike's parents' mm-hmm. place, but we're one of the first growers mm-hmm. in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Mm. And those are um, doing well. Mm-hmm. It's cha- The plants thrive out here. Yeah. They do. It's challenging because people don't know what they are. Yeah. And so that's been kind of something that's if you're expecting a blueberry and try and eat them straight you're gonna be <laughs> in for a in for a yeah tough uh yeah tough surprise there yeah. yeah the has caps though they have a lot it's a flavor that's kind of a cross between a blueberry and a raspberry and, and mm. rhubarb yeah 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 <laughs> and so they have a much more palatable flavor to them yeah you have a good luck in Oregon with the Oregon grape. So most folks know mm-hmm. not to necessarily just eat something just because it looks like yeah. a blueberry. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so your grapes, uh, how new is that? Those have been in. We've put the first vines in the ground uh, just uh, around 10 years ago. Okay. And uh, <coughs> those have been going well ever since. Um They've had a few ups and downs. The fires uh, gave right, us a few challenges talking, yes. with it. But uh, overall, they've been a really good fit to the farm and have been uh, a great addition. Yeah, We found good markets in the Portland area for them and do the deliveries ourselves. So it goes straight from vineyard to our coolers to to the grocery store. Yeah, And it cuts the time on that supply chain way down. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to come back to the fires, but uh, it is a, a little bit unique in this time and in this area to do table grapes, right? A lot of oh, yeah. guys are going yeah. into wine. Yeah. yeah, most everybody that plants grapes out here, it's, uh, it's wine, wine grapes. Yeah. And uh, you look, uh, it wasn't but 30, 40 years ago that everybody said you can't grow wine grapes out here. Right. Well, they can. They've yeah. proven they can. Everybody says the same thing on table grapes. Yeah. And I think it's possible. But yeah. What makes it work is developing the markets yeah. on it, taking the time to right. secure your market, and we're slowly expanding on those as we grow the market. Yeah, and that's the key. There's not to not to oversupply. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it gets it's very like I was telling you out in the vineyard. Like yeah. it's so there's so much handwork to mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah. like hand picking and like being gentle with the clusters and yeah. delivering like right away to stores. Right, and it's. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's just you know? a whole different uh, beast than uh, wine grapes are. Yeah. 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 
um, you, you guys think, I think, a, a little bit more about the, um, the inputs uh, for the, the flavor because you don't mm-hmm. get, uh, like winemakers on the back end, as much time mm-hmm. to kind of tinker with your, yeah. your product yeah. um, before it goes to the customer. And a lot more about the presentation oh, because, yeah. like you were saying, like wine, it's all going to get crushed anyway. Obviously, crushed. you want to protect yeah. the fruit, but you don't much care what it looks like, yeah. whereas you guys yeah. care very much what it looks like. It has to look good for the customer to want to buy yeah. it. And it doesn't matter if you have the best flavor in the world. Right. If it looks unappealing, they'll buy it. How are you going to get them to even try it? <laughs> yeah. So, it has to look appealing. They've already but got it at uh, home, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. But uh, for us, our focus is on the soil. Yeah. On fostering that life in the soil, the microbes in there, cycling our nutrients well, and extracting as much of the terroir as we can yeah. in our table grapes. Yeah. People always talk about that on wine grapes, but we're still extracting that sense of place. Yeah. And feeding it with uh, everything that we have right here. So that uh, we can get as much of that flavor into them and people can get as much of a taste for what our farm is as we can give them. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll have to come back out and get someone more picky because it's like, it's so different than what you Mm. get from that's being brought up from California. Yeah. You know, they're sweet and they're juicy and they've got so much flavor. We don't, you know, gas them or put any chemicals on them to hold them. So Mm. they're fresh right out of the vineyard and it makes a big difference they're pretty special yeah and these varieties that we're working with have been selected for flavor yeah we intentionally went to varieties that have superb flavor that was our have to look good but we really wanted to taste good too and uh we found on our soil on our farm with our management they're responding to it and we're getting that flavor into them yeah and that's really what i what I care about on that is uh, getting that flavor into them and to get feedback of we've been waiting for your grapes. Yeah. We've been watching for when years are going to come on from the produce buyers and from mm-hmm. the markets. That's a huge compliment for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Grapes for, for folks that, um, you know, aren't as plugged into kind of the agricultural world, maybe like I was before moving out here. Um, you kind of think of grape as a grape um, in terms of eating it. And it's kind of amazing the world of different textures and juiciness oh, yeah. and skin and how it can be really just an enjoyable experience, yeah. um, even outside of the flavor, you know. Yeah. And I've got a chance to listen to the um, professor that worked on breeding these grapes. Yeah. Uh, he was at the University of Arkansas and happened to be out here for a field day. And he talked about the industry in California at the time he was releasing those, they wanted a grape that was fungible. They mm-hmm. wanted one that tasted the same across every variety. Yeah. Because they wanted their consumer to get used to this is what a grape is. Right. And there not to be any difference, any variation. Right. Because that was their concern was it looks good and that they can ship it anywhere they want right. across the globe. Right. So those were their two concerns. Flavor didn't factor into right. that. Yeah. And so to get a chance to get some varieties that were bred for flavor, yeah, it's a really unique opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And we've always decided, like, you know, we're local. Yeah. And that has made it so everything tastes fresher. And we've even decided that with the fruit spreads, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're local. It just it makes it easier in so many aspects. Yeah. And they just, they're it better. It opened up some options on varieties, too, because if I don't have to worry about shipping them yeah. hundreds or thousands of miles. Yeah. I can work with stuff that's more fragile than most people right, want to work with. Right, right. And the juiciness, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. they're much, 
they just kind of explode in oh, your mouth. Yeah. I rem- it's reminding me. Um, so we have a cider press. We do some apples oh, on yeah. our place, and um, my uh, uncle or my wife's uncle, sorry, um, at the time, he had um, some wine grapes. They didn't grow mm-hmm. them for wine; they would just yeah. eat them. But yeah. um, anyway, we tried yeah. those in oh, yeah. the cider press, and they just explode i mean we had to stand like 20 feet away like yeah. to be out of the spray so <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and we would just touch it lightly you know and it would still yeah. just explode because oh, it's yeah. just so juicy oh yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah. i feel like yeah like your kind of standard grocery grape wouldn't do that no yeah. no it's just it's bread for something yeah. completely different and like i said not having to worry about shipability for that kind of a duration or having to worry about sitting in the cooler for months on end. Yeah. That lets you have some flexibility to work with some stuff that's different. I will say, though, when the grapes are fed right, when they're picked at the right time, they will hold and last longer than anything else you've ever seen. Sure. Right. And we've also, we deliver them and do all of that ourselves. We don't Mm -hmm. do a distributor or anything like that. And that kind of just makes it so, you know, it's our hands, like, handling everything and like you know talking with the stores and like getting their feedback whether it be you know something we need to improve or like normally they are just excited to have us there and and to meet you know and talk with the farmer that's growing them it's pretty cool it gives you that extra connection there and if there is any issue you've got no no time Mm -hmm. lag there to get it fixed and corrected right and really, there's not been much of any issues. Usually, it's pretty glowing feedback yeah. on yeah. them. Not so that's a nice. Yeah. That's great to be able to get that because farmers typically don't hear that. Right. Usually, you're very far removed from the end user, and it's you take it in, you negotiate on price. Usually, get told what's wrong with it, yeah. so they can kind of work the price down a little bit. Yeah. Um, you don't get the kind of feedback often. So that's a nice change of pace. Right. Well, like the wheat that you just harvested, that gets exported. And so it's like, you never really hear, it looks great to us, but you never really hear how, how good it is when someone turns it into a final product. Right. So that's been really fun. Tyler, did you know that the Australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears, even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, Or that baby sea otters can't swim, so their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle? Wait, do you know any trivia that isn't, like, animal-related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hair Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hair is one of Camby's longest-running, locally-owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off. That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm te- I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome.
Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. Um, well, let's just touch on the fires a little bit, because I yeah. think, um, obviously, uh, you know, everyone remembers the fires, what a crazy time that was, and, and things that I think a lot about folks who lost their homes and folks who were kind of in the direct line of fire and maybe don't realize the uh, waves, of, you know, mm-hmm. the radius surrounding yeah. and how it affected farms who maybe, yeah. although you guys did have a small fire uh, yeah. as part of that here on a few acres, um, but, uh, but who, uh, just from the impacts of the ash and the smoke, mm-hmm. lost most or all of a lot of your crops that were um, ripening during that time, yeah. Well, honestly, we were we were very blessed and protected through the yeah. fires. It sounds strange to say we we're blessed with those fires, right. but we were blessed that we didn't have anything more go on yeah. than what we had. At the time when uh, those got started, we were trying to get a field of red clover harvested. Mm-hmm. The winds were up at 30 mile an hour and the humidity was in single digits. It was just nasty conditions. And those high winds packed a bunch of chaff in around mm-hmm. the moving parts on the combine. And we sparked off a fire in the field that night that the fires got cranked up. Mm. We lost around three or four acres of crop out there. But luckily we had a really good response from the fire crews out yeah. here. And we were able to get under control, keep it from spreading off of our farm. And uh, then I spent all the rest of that night going down every right. couple hours to check and make sure nothing had cranked back up. Right. And, uh, well, because you had, checking. I mean, you always have a, a water truck out there. That's yeah. like part of it. You always have that out yeah. in case something happens. So yeah. You can and get we were out there control. hitting that with the water truck, but it was just 30 mile an hour winds. You can't yeah. stop it with uh, just a little... Truck. A yeah. little bit there. You'd need a full crew out there. And we had neighbors around here, too, that were diving that in and helping. Help. Mm-hmm. And everybody was really great to work with on that. Yeah. Um, after that, we parked the combine outside because we had to go through and find where the fire had started at, make sure everything was in good repair. It actually tried to crank up and start again on it two mm-hmm. or three days later, but that was after we had evacuated. Luckily, we came back and checked on it and were able to get that put out before it Took the machine. From chaff that was stuck inside it? Yeah. 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 It was stuck inside it, sat there and smoldered, and it cranked up a couple days later (laughs) and tried to burn again. And after we'd hosed it out, after we'd flushed it with water, and so it was a scary thing. It was just prime, really scary conditions for all of that. I remember those fuels were so dry, like out in Colton and things. I went out like a few weeks after, and they were still, and probably for weeks after that, the crews were still going around in the burned out areas. Mopping up. Mopping up, yeah, Yeah, for weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And they would still find fires. Yeah, because it was just, um, it would get buried, and the fuels were so dry that they would just smolder forever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we did end up getting evacuated out of here, but me and my dad uh, came back in daily because we had some chickens out here. Yeah. And there were barn cats out here that needed to be checked on. We needed to check on stuff like that combine. Yeah. That thankfully, we caught before it. Right. Before we lost a machine. Yeah. Um, in doing that, we were checking on the grapes, which we were about one third of the way through our harvest at that point when the fires had broke out. Yeah. Luckily, that third was in the cooler. We locked up the doors on it. Yeah. It stayed running. We didn't lose power. 
but we had ash falling like snow out here and there were days where it was so dark at the middle of the day that uh, our yard lights were popping on yeah it was just yeah just crazy do you remember sam our son said are we living on mars yeah and i'm like that's exactly what it looks like yeah because there's this red hue and just red darkness out here but uh I remember I, that first day waking up and I had to check the clock like yeah. five or six. I was like, it can't be no, nine no, o'clock. It's, st- it's still completely dark yeah. outside. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But anyway, we uh, got out here and uh, we had ash falling like snow out here. Yeah. Uh, fires were a mile or two away and a couple of big ones were trying to come together up in the hills above us. Um, we kind of uh took the water truck and wed down a perimeter around the buildings yeah. to say you know at least we have a little bit of a break we hooked up a disc to our tractor so if we saw anything coming we could kind of disc out a fire break to yeah. keep the building safe and uh we were taking the foliar feeder that we used to put foliar nutrition on the grapes it has fans on it we we're running it with just the fans trying to blow the ash off the grape clusters but by the time the fires got done we still we were finding so a much. Yeah. sporadic smoke taint in there where you'd get a grape cluster that'd be fine, it'd taste just fine, then the next one would be bitter. Yeah. And just And just luckily bitter. Yeah. like two days before all of it started, we had put I don't know, you know, a small amount in the cooler. Yeah. About a third so, of our crop was in at that point. Right. And so that was like safe and okay, but you know, and we could make the choice to go out and pick and work if we needed to but like we didn't have any employee i just can't imagine having hired help out there to work in that like it it was us so we could make the choice we had uh yeah it was bad before the smoke taint hit we had while it was still smoky out there us and some really close friends of the family that were out there grabbing everything we could to get into the cooler before it got tainted but once it started uh we had a little light rain and once that hit that done. flavor just went straight into the grapes and it was yeah. done. Yeah. And good so, for the rain. Like it was good to have the rain. Yeah, we needed that but, to help reduce yeah. the risk of fire. But yeah, yeah, that was it. And we heard from a number of farmers around, cauliflower farmers, that said their stuff was just, it was rotting in the field. It yeah. Smoke and ash, it screwed it up. And it was like something, nothing they'd ever seen before. Yeah. Well, and I remember that with the apples too, because it yeah. was like right before and like all of them were just, yeah. you couldn't use any of them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and they weren't ripe, you know, when that happened. Right. But like they yeah. just weren't right. Ripe. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up losing that too. So yeah. it was, yeah. It's definitely not near as bad as it could have been. Yeah. We're very lucky, but it was a tough mm. week for everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And we were blessed with some really good friends of the family that gave us a place to stay over yeah. in Woodburn. Those a little ways away that we could run back and forth and yeah have a spot for our kids to be safe and mm-hmm. stay yeah. in this somewhere this. yeah yeah and you mentioned your vendors and stores were really good to work with you guys as oh well. so yeah. good to work yeah. with they were uh checking in with us just right along making sure we were okay mm-hmm. making sure everybody was safe and we were able to resume deliveries once uh the evacuation notices were out and the smoke yeah. had cleared a little bit and they made a point of pushing our stuff and sold through it and just record time yeah and i think that's like yeah. the power of like being local like having the relationships yeah is we've yeah. seen like when things go wrong or something happens like if you have a relationship with people it just it's such a powerful thing 
Yeah. And yeah. that's been like the biggest part of our business in the farm is just like forming relationships with people and getting to know people and yeah. having them get to know us and being transparent. And it's, I mean, they, they good... knew us when that happened. And yeah. so they were very supportive because they cared about us and our family. And so yeah. that was, that was a big deal. Yeah. 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 That's been huge for us because when you have those relationships, the open communication and can say, Hey, this is what's going on. Everybody can walk out of that and work through it together. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, I gather that's been a big part of your guys' success is, is um, working with and kind of leaning into that network, obviously of your families and things um, that yeah. these relationships have been built over a long period of time. Um, yeah. But really, in this day and age, local farm, you really can't be an island and survive, you don't think? No. Yeah. No. It's... And it's becoming more so that way, too. Like, people have to know... So much over the years has yeah. been just hammered home to me that building those relationships, yeah. building those relationships, community, it's what it's really about. Yeah. And you, my wife has done an awesome job with building those relationships with retailers mm. and our retail partners. And over the past generations, my family has worked with so many of the other farming neighbors out here. We could, you know, go to Gingrich's who we've, my dad knew their great grandpa right. and, you know, they farmed together for yeah. years, you know, helped each other out when, right. when they needed it. We've rented a berry picker from them at times and, They've had us come in and combine crop for them at yeah. different times. Just a good working relationship. And it's yeah. those kind of things that really... Yeah, and we'll even do, you know, like if we're doing like a demo at a grocery store or something or like a, I don't know, a gift show or something like that, I'll have people come through and they kind of see where we live and yeah. like our last name. And they're like, oh, I think I knew Gordon. <laughs> right. Or like, I know Bill right. and Mike's dad. Oh. And, and Mike's yeah. dad knows everybody yeah it's yeah. so funny yeah and but they have like glowing things to say yeah. luckily like yeah. so that makes it really easy i'm like oh that's great right. i can know that that's a good thing yeah <laughs> so yeah. Nice. that's been a lot of fun too oh yeah. yeah yeah awesome and i think um being being flexible uh mm -hmm. as well like you guys trying new things trying sunflowers and and just kind of um, and if it doesn't work, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Stay, not... You don't know unless you try. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. may as well get out there, give it a good shot. Yeah. And because doing the same thing that you've always done, it's just not going to work forever. Yeah. Sooner or later, you got to be able to change. Yeah. Well, it's like a mix of like changing yeah. and like stay. It's like a weird mix of changing and like staying with tradition. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like making those work together. Balance. And, and what, what leads you on those? Do you kind of look at the market? Do you, do you look at where there's needs? Or do you kind of like think, what do I want to do th this year or whatever? Honestly, <laughs> or is it a mix of everything? We spend a fair amount of time in prayer about it. Mm -hmm. And we'll have things that come up that just keep on coming up in front of us. Yeah. And usually that's a pretty good sign. Hey, we need to be looking at that. The grapes were something that dad had said to us when we first came back here. And he said, I've always had a few grapes out here. They've always done really well. We've got a south-facing slope yeah. out here. It looks like a good spot for them, and it came up a few, <clears throat> two or three or four times, and, yeah. no, let's give this a try. The yeah. sunflowers, right. honestly, the stuff going on in Ukraine was one of the things that brought it mm. back to the front of our mind because that's one of the top sunflower-producing countries right. in the world. 
and all of the turmoil they've had. And we'd always brought wanted it to light. Yeah, and we'd always wanted to do flowers. Mike's yeah. great grandparents yep. grew Oregon giant pansies out oh, in candy. I think you've told me about yeah. this. Yeah. And so we tried when we came back to kind of restart those again. Yeah. Like, this is really cool. This yeah. would be like carrying on a tradition. We couldn't get any get any of those to work. Yeah. And so had we're like, some okay. seeds saved, but they've been saved incorrectly unfortunately and they've lost their germ they wouldn't sprout yeah and so it was just yeah it that just was wasn't lost. for us and you know it, yeah. it wouldn't work and yeah. so this is i think this is going to work so yeah. it's yeah. just we always are willing to take a risk yeah. yeah as long as we've waited out and we have to be careful because it's not just us but it's like the future generation and then it's his parents, you yeah. know, that are because we're I all still doing farm with, I still farm with dad and mom and right. it's a family yeah. operation. We have our own separate farms, but we also farm together and they really do impact each other. Yeah. So right. if I go out on a limb on some crazy idea, they've got to be on board with it right. to a certain degree before right. uh, we can go forward. Because, right. Emus now. <laughs> because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's jeopardizing thing. You know, any change it is yeah. risk. But staying the same, there's risk there too. Yeah. Right. So we just try to be super thoughtful and talk with them and be really transparent with them as well. And they've been really supportive. Yeah. And And if they've had input, they let us know kindly. Yeah. And And everything we've been doing, everybody's been on board with. That's not something that anybody's had really been dragging their feet. Right. I don't know about this. So that's a rare treat because a lot of times in family farms that are multi-generational mm. you can have some Issues. some difficult dynamics with yeah. uh change and yeah. the next generation taking more of a leadership role which we have not had to have anywhere near yeah, the kind people of issues have been really gracious yeah. about it and you know and then we think about like our boys if they want to do this like what are what's going to be good for them if they choose and then like nieces and nephews if they want to be involved like what's going to be good for them and luckily you know nieces and nephews have come out and helped yeah and been part of it mm-hmm. and so it really it's it's a family mm-hmm. operation and we all get along really well so that's yeah key awesome. yeah awesome yeah. <laughs> you guys have a great website i think where you can get uh you can order your spreads and things mm-hmm. straight from the website yes. yeah and other products or Mainly that right now? Soon to be. We do, like, during the holidays, we'll do gift boxes where we'll bring in, you know, like, um, I've got Josie's Best mix, you know, pancake mixes, and we'll do, like, breakfast boxes and, like, ground up PDX, you know, nut butters and stuff like that. So we'll do gift boxes, and then um, we sell our fruit spread, and then eventually we'll do other things yep. as they come yep. up and yeah. you know I um, wish we could sell the grapes that way too I wish. but well, uh, we have though we did the the juice did, grapes did, last yeah. year okay and we had people come out and just pick them up and that yeah. worked really I was well say, i thought i remembered that for, yeah. for a bit yeah. that that was yeah. yeah yeah and we might open that up we'll see how things go we might open that up with the rest of the grapes this year we're not yeah. really sure yeah We'll just see We're how still it goes. balancing out uh, where production's at and how many uh, retailers we have on, and yeah, because we don't want to shortchange anybody, right? Because yeah. they've invested but, in us, so we yeah. don't want to. We want right. to make sure we yeah. treat them well. Yeah, but our goal awesome. is to expand enough that we can uh, have the community out for a U pick or a pickup day. Yeah, yeah, into the future. Yeah. Just cool. takes some time to get vines up and going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's Mount Hope Farm dot com farm. It's um. 
W dot three W's yep. Mount Hope Farms, Oregon dot okay. com. And gotcha. if you search for it on Google, sometimes it's funny about coming up in the address yeah. bar. So search it on Google yeah. and you'll find us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for yeah. taking so much, throwing me around thank again thank and you. taking so much time. Um, and yeah, check out Mount Hope Farms on uh, social media and uh, on their website. Hey, I'm AJ. I'm your uh, local Oddmos franchise owner. I'm Mike, co-founder of Oddmos. And we're the hosts of The Odd Pod, a podcast about life in the pizza industry. We're going to have on some franchisees. We're going to have some different vendors on. We're going to get a snapshot of what goes on behind the scenes in the, the pizza world. Don't forget to tell them about the sports. They're sports. And the crazy wacky pizza that we have every Wednesday that we create. And we also have a special guest every week as well. And I'm Gage, Odd Pod senior sports analyst. Gage, who gave you that title? Me. Oh boy. Find us on Spotify and Apple Music and the Podbean. Now Hear This Can Be is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Can Be by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. The production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe. And we'd love to help you do it. Find us online at nhtstudios.com. Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though. (laughs)